Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the Create Stuff Podcast. Just a few things before we get into it. This was streamed live at twitch.tv slash Sean Link is in the description. Go follow me there so you can be there live when I do all of these. I take questions from chat usually. Didn't do it for this one because we didn't have any questions, but usually I do. So if you're there, you get to ask some. Also, this is not the second part of the animatic special. Uh, that is coming soon, but uh, a few people I want to have on at camp aren't available until way later. And I decided to push it back because I really want to have these people. You guys are going to be happy I did, though. If you prefer Spotify or Apple Podcasts, look in the description, because this podcast is available there too, and also in most other podcast directories. And without further ado, let's get into it. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the Create Stuff Podcast. Today, uh, my guest is Oripoke, the creator of Pokemon Uranium. Uh, Hi everybody, and uh, just a caveat, I am one of the creators of Pokemon Uranium. Uh, I was the creative director along with uh, JV, who is the main game developer and programmer. So uh, between the two of us and uh, the Uranium team of uh, people who volunteered their time, effort, and energy, uh, we made the fan game Pokemon Uranium, which you might or might not be familiar with. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So tell me a little bit more about Pokemon Uranium. What is Pokemon Uranium exactly? Right. Uh, well, so it is a uh, fan-made Pokemon game that is that takes place in the Tandor region. It has over 100 original species of Pokemon uh, that were largely designed by myself with a few guest designs from friends and contributing artists. Uh, the uh, It's a pretty standard Pokemon adventure. If you've ever played a Pokemon game, the template is should be fairly familiar. You know, you get your starter Pokemon and explore a vast and diverse region, collecting all eight gym badges, battling in uh, a force that's, uh, in this case, not your typical Team X or, uh, you know, Team Rocket, but rather the, uh, the nuclear-type Pokemon that are attacking the region. Um, and in the process, become the very best like no one ever was. Uh, it's a uh, free-to-play game that is available on PC only. <laughs> we tried to get it to work on Mac. Uh, uh, those who are uh, from the dev team in the chat can tell you how much uh, trouble that was trying to uh, <laughs> get it to work on cross-platform compatibility. Uh, with you, We made it using RPG Maker, which is um, software that I think came out in like 2003, uh, and Pokemon Essentials, which is uh, essentially a custom platform for RPG Maker that makes it very easy to construct a game using the Pokemon engine. Um, well, it, not the Pokemon engine, but like replicating the Pokemon battle system and all of its accoutrements. So mm-hmm. um, the game came out in 2016. We just saw, we just celebrated the fifth year anniversary of its release um, on August 6th. Uh, which I mentally refer to as Uranium Day. Um, uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I, I guess when I was young, I wouldn't imagine that my biggest claim to fame growing up would be making a Pokemon game, but actually I would have imagined that because that was like my dream. So <laughs> was to create my own uh, my, my own Pokemon game. I, had, I, I like to set achievable dreams, and uh, we sure did it. It is a complete game that you can play from start to finish. There's some stuff in the post game that we didn't get around to adding, but for the most part, uh, you know, it's like a 40-hour RPG, so it's pretty substantial. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow, you really have that pitch ready. Well, you know, I have talked about it a fair bit. Uh, Sean, I have a question for you. Go on. Have, have you played Pokemon Uranium? I have played a little bit of the beginning of it yesterday. Well, what was all. what was your what was your starter? My starter? Oh, it was the um, it was the blue one that I cannot uh, remember the name of because I named it Kazoo. Elatux. Kazoo is Elatux, a good nickname, yes. though. I don't blame you for naming it Kazoo. That is uh, that is a good nickname as nicknames go. Thank you. Thank uh, you. <laughs> 
my personal favorite starter is uh, Raptorch, which is actually the uh, the icon of my Twitch channel and sort of a mascot that I use around places. Uh, and I have mm -hmm. a plushie of it in real life. Oh, that's awesome. How did you get a plushie of it? I commissioned it. That's, it is that's one of a kind. Great. I love that. <laughs> I really like the grass type one. I think that one honestly might be my favorite. Yeah, the, you don't get to choose your starter in Uranium. Um, so I guess to peel back the curtain a little bit, um, when I was first getting started, like conceptualizing the plot and the region for Uranium, uh, I was going through a phase where I wanted to be different from everybody because it seemed to me that every single Pokemon fan game and every existing canon Pokemon game for that matter was pretty formulaic. You know, they just followed the same exact, uh, you know, the of like, you know, explore the region, get all eight badges, get your starters, defeat the evil team, get the legendary, become the champion. It just seemed very rote to me. And <laughs> incidentally, Uranium ended up having most of those things. But we really, <laughs> back then I wanted to subvert people's expectations. So uh, one of the things that I the game that stayed all the way through to the final version was that you don't actually get to choose your starter as you've experienced having played the first part of the game. You uh, go through a uh, basically a questionnaire that was actually inspired by Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. It's like a personality test. And mm -hmm. at the end of the personality test, you are assigned a starter based on the answers that you gave. Uh, and they, they are color coded, so you can very easily choose which answers are, rela are um, related to the starter that you want. But if they if you answer it honestly, you'll get a starter that hopefully matches your play style, whether it's aggressive, conservative or kind of a bit of both. Um, and those correspond to uh, the three, the the fire, grass and water starters in particular. OK, OK. And yeah, there's also a scientist right there who, like, tells you uh, what each one would give you a uh, theoretical, yeah. which starter. And she wants to take a picture of him. Yeah, he literally he literally explains all of it. And it's like, if you want to get this starter, here's what you have to do. We added that in, by the way, at the original uh, in the beta version of Uranium, which Uranium had four betas before the final release that you can play now. Four uh, betas. Wow. Four betas. And it was in development for nine years. Good God. <laughs> this is insane. Yeah. Yeah, I started it when I was a freshman in high school, I want to say, or maybe I was still in middle school, uh, but I worked on it all throughout uh, high school and college, and it was released uh, the year the year that I graduated from college. So, you know, just to kind of get a real-life context for how long it took us to develop this game in our free time. And it was mostly just me and JV for, uh, you know, eight of those nine years. And the, the final stretch, we brought on a bunch of more team members and people to beta test and folks to, you know, contribute music and graphics. And notably, the music uh, was largely composed, the original, like, battle tracks and stuff were largely composed by a musician who uh, is credited in the game as Electric Mudkip. Now he goes by M-Dash. That's E-M-D-A-S-C-H-E on YouTube. I think you'd really like his stuff. It's very electronic and upbeat and cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, people who are listening to this, at least after it is over, uh, you can, at least uh, the edited version, you can find a link to M-Dash in the description. And also you can find a link to most of the stuff we talk about in the description. As far as I can remember to add things, I'm going to look him up very, very quickly and add him to uh, just make a note about his channel. Yeah, uh, last year... Um, oh, shoot, I not... just listened to this guy's, uh, like, Big Shot remix. Yeah, it's great. Remix. It's a banger. It's so good. Yeah. This stuff has only gotten better since he worked on Uranium, uh, as five years would lead to a, a lot of character development. Uh, but 
for the fourth anniversary, uh, M Dash and I collaborated to do a like a like a mashup of uh, all the major songs and themes that he composed for the game, uh, in sort of a, a I guess like a Eurobeat style. It's a lot of fun, so give that a listen too. And he he also dropped the game's OST on Spotify, so. It's awesome. all there. It's really good. Honestly, the soundtrack is one of my favorite parts of Uranium that I had nothing to do with. <laughs> okay, very cool. Yeah, I love the music and it was super good. How did you get the... I'm surprised that you were able to upload the uh, soundtrack to Spotify. Did you like put it under? Is it like well, Pokemon Uranium soundtrack or... Right, well, yeah. uh, it's 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 not it doesn't have the pokemon branding on it for obvious reasons uh but uh, and right. it's it's all it's all proprietary to to the musician so he got it he he that he was in charge of that you'd have to ask him oh okay 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 i take no credit uh, other than it's great and i like to listen to it my favorite song uh is kind of spoilery uh it's the main battle theme for the for the main antagonist so you only fight towards like the very very end of the game so okay okay <laughs> but it's a it's a banger um but i like a lot of the other stuff that he that, that's on that soundtrack too uh it's it still brings up feelings of uh nostalgia I think a lot of people feel the same way. The soundtrack is really a, a key part in, well, any Pokemon game has to have a good soundtrack. It's just a critical definitely, definitely. aspect of the series. Yeah, Goichi sure. no say, like the guy, the, the legend, the guy who composed the original Pokemon soundtrack. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> I think I owe my taste in music to him as much as to anybody. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I could not agree more. The Pokemon soundtracks are always so good. And I love the Uranium soundtrack immensely. I cannot wait to pl play it more and hear more of the songs. Now I can't wait to hear the Antagonist song, too. Okay, so why a Pokemon fan game? Well, so obviously I've liked Pokemon since I was very, very little. Um, <laughs> it all started <laughs> when I was about four years old at summer camp mm -hmm. and Pokemon cards were all the rage. This is before the anime was in English in the United States. I'm going to profoundly date myself here, so watch out. Uh, <laughs> this was, <laughs> And I got really into Pokemon then. Uh, I've always liked, you know, uh, magical creatures and, uh, you know, adventures and stuff like that. So it really spoke to me. And I think to every single child who wants to have a magical creature companion and journey across a vast and somewhat dangerous but ultimately quite safe world uh, and make friends. It's it's a very universally appealing um, concept for a, a game and a game series, I think. And mm -hmm. what's fun about it is, I think in part because every single Pokemon game is fundamentally the same, uh, you can iterate on it in an in infinite amount of ways. Uh, you, by following the same template, you can kind of create your own concepts for regions or for Pokemon. Um, or for antagonists and challenges that all follow the formula, but are, you know, different yet similar enough that people are going to feel drawn to it. So anyway, from I, from the time that I was about, I think, 10 years old, maybe even younger, my dream was to make a Pokemon game. Uh, and I found out that I could actually do that. Uh, first, I found out about ROM hacking uh, from the uh, web forum, pokecommunity.com. Um, but then... Uh, shortly afterwards, I discovered fan games, which are actually distinct, uh, but inclusive of, but distinct from ROM hacks. ROM hacks involve modifying the source code of an existing Pokemon game, like you would take Fire Red and hack it to include uh, all of the Pokemon in the national decks, for example. Now, that's a ROM hack, but a fan game is a game that's, uh, as I mentioned before, built from the ground up. Well, a fan game can be any game that apes the Pokemon IP uh, illegally. 
<laughs> but uh, made by fans. But uh, RPG Maker fan games specifically, I was drawn to because it had less restrictive um, limitations than a ROM hack, uh, and it let us play with the uh, the size of the graphics and the overall presentation a lot more. Uh, and so um, I found JV in the uh, in on the Poké community working on this game, and I reached out to him like, "Hey, I hear you are looking for someone who can do pixel art because pixel art, if you you might know, is my specialty. Mm-hmm. I, I also do, you know, character design and uh, monster design, and I also wrote the entire game's story. But uh, pixel art is, I think, the bread and butter of what I make. Um, and so I started out just making sprites for the uh, then template of the game that would become Pokemon Uranium. I think it was called Pokemon Uranium back then. It had very little in common with the game that we uh, can experience now, although there were a surprising number of things that made it all the way through to the final version of the game that were there in the first ever beta release. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot changed, but we kept some things in the same that uh, were sort of an homage to our roots and how far we came. Um, so that's that's a very long way to answer your question about why it was a Pokemon fan game. It was never going to be anything <laughs> other than a Pokemon fan game uh, because I like Pokemon and I find it an endless source of inspiration for creativity. Okay, all right, awesome. Uh, yeah, you answered a lot of other questions on this list too. With that, with that actually, that makes uh, that makes this a lot easier. <laughs> I can definitely tell you've been interviewed before. I won't lie. Well, I just like to talk about it, frankly. And also, when I'm live streaming on my uh, my own channel, I get a lot of questions about the game. So I, I'm, I'm quite accustomed to talking to it. I was hoping that by uh, talking with you like this, that it might address some of the questions that I get perennially um, that I think a lot of people have when they hear that this was a game made by just, like, two people uh, and... You know the uh, like how how could how how could normal people make a Pokemon game? You know which you know <laughs> uh, takes a very long time, and it's usually more uh, effort than most people want to devote to such a project. Uh, with with you know only the possibility of clout <laughs> in return, but uh, I it's a hobby and it's something that I enjoy doing in my free time, and really that's that's why we create stuff at all, isn't it? uh-huh yeah exactly exactly definitely not getting paid for it that's for sure <laughs> exactly exactly you think i do this podcast for the money no <laughs> My, these wads of cash that are sitting behind me are just a side product uh also i love how you put the said create stuff in there love the title oh, drop. Yeah. let's go <laughs> uh oh how would you say uranium compares to the mainline games well, so in terms of length, it's about the same length as a uh, full canon Pokemon game. So like Ruby and Sapphire or, uh, you know, Pokemon Black and White. It's about the same amount of content. So the region has is pretty big. It's divided into two halves. So once you explore, once you fully explore uh, West Tandor and you unlock Surf, you then get to explore East Tandor, which is a little bit smaller, but has several, you know, towns and cities and more challenges and locations for the player to investigate uh then go back to back again to west tandor for the final champion for the like the final challenge in the championship um so it's a pretty it's a substantial game as i said before it's about 40 hours of content give or take uh and um 
the number of Pokemon is also quite similar to, say, Pokemon Black and White. There are 200 Mons in the decks overall, and I think 195 of those are obtainable. There were some legendaries that we planned on planned on including in the post game that, uh, because of various reasons, ended up uh, not making it into the playable. Uh, build of the game but they're there in the code so i still get a lot of questions being like when are you going to release the unreleased legendaries i'm like it's not up to me anymore <laughs> but uh -huh. um uh but yeah so and incidentally i'd love to get into uh the process of making a pokemon later but it it takes a lot of time to make every single pokemon that's there from the concept to the art to the data involved and the role that it plays there's there's a lot <laughs> it gives you a newfound appreciation for what game freak does when they come up with new pokemon uh for their games um but yeah uh, it also has um trading and uh Battling, well, battling doesn't really work, but there are interconnectivity features uh, with other players, which is something that you don't see in a lot of fan games. Um, but basically, there's a global trade system, like in, or GTS, like in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, mm -hmm. or Black and White, or Sword and Shield. You can uh, upload a Pokemon to the database and request a Pokemon in return, and maybe another player will see that request and uh, trade you that Pokemon, and so that way you can complete your decks more easily. There's also Wonder Trade, uh, so you can offer up a random Pokemon and get a random one back. Uh, there is Virtual Trainer Battles, so you basically upload a snapshot of your trainer to the server, and then other other players can challenge that trainer uh, controlled by the AI to test their skills against you. Um, and uh, there <laughs> we did JV did uh, spend a long time coding an online lobby where you could do direct player to player trades and battles, but it was uh, never not super glitchy. So I'm not sure if it ever worked right. Uh, but it did. It was it, it was quite a monumental task. I think he wrote like over 800 lines of code for that thing. And it it worked a bit. It, it sort of worked a little bit, um, <laughs> but uh, the the GTS and uh, and other features like that were always more reliable. But the fact that there's player to player trades at all uh, is something that's uh, fairly unique. Although in in my opinion, that's something that's also really uh, important for the Pokemon experience is being able to trade and battle with your friends as well as just uh, against the AI. Because um, you know, Pokemon is a very social game. I think they. They they knew what they were doing when they had two versions that you have to trade between to get all of them. And of course, this is a fan game. We don't have to do a marketing gimmick to get people to sell the same game twice like Game Freak does. But right. We still wanted to have that incentive for people to interact with each other. And so that's why there's still like an active uh, Discord and subreddit and wiki community for the game. Uh, mostly the, the Discord is, I think, the, the official Discord is the hub of the Uranium community. And there's still people there that are trading and talking about the metagame and breeding, you know, perfect uh, 31 IV shiny Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Which astonished me when I found that out, that there were people who were really, you know, trying to complete a living shiny Dex in the game. Um, and uh, Oh, good uh, God. You know what that means, right? Uh, I, I do, but would you explain for our audience? Well, so a living dex is a, so the goal of any Pokemon game, one of the goals of any Pokemon game is to complete the Pokedex to uh, register every single Pokemon as caught uh, in the Pokedex. A living dex uh, is one step beyond completing the Pokedex. Pokedex, it is completing the Pokedex and having one of every Pokemon in your uh, in your like games in your PC box, your storage system. Uh, a living shiny Dex, shiny Pokemon are a very rare uh, version of regular Pokemon that are 
slightly different color. <laughs> I never really understood the appeal of shiny hunting myself, but a lot of their entire YouTube and Twitch channels that are just dedicated to shiny hunting. So a lot of people seem to like it. Um, and uh, shiny Pokemon are very rare. In Uranium, the rate is about 1 in 1,000. So we bumped it up from the standard rate, which is, I think, like 1 in 4,000 before you get any kind of multipliers or anything like that. Really? Um, yeah, it's like one, or maybe it's one in twenty forty eight. I forget. <laughs> and uranium is one very, in very high. Yeah, it's one in one thousand. There's a couple things you can do to optimize it, but it is still very uncommon. Uh, and a couple people, I think at least one person has told me that they are making significant progress towards getting a shiny version of every single Pokemon in the game, uh, in their collection, which is uh, you know, thousands of hours dedicated to that task so you know <laughs> good god all right i guess they like the game or something <laughs> probably, probably a little bit of a fan maybe <laughs> wow that is insane well uh if you want to join the discord server yourself if you're watching the edited version of this you can find the link to that in the description it's also the best place uh i won't say the best i think uh, it is a very good place to find the newest release of the game too with uh the newest patch that's where i found mine yeah, uh, for legal reasons, I can't tell you where to download the game, but Google is your friend. Uh, well, I just did, but uh, <laughs> I I'm not them, so that's okay, I think. Tell me if I need to cut out <laughs> what I just said. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're fine. Okay, okay, okay. But uh, yeah, the Discord, the Discord server will help you. And I definitely did not link that in the description or anything. Anyways, um, <laughs> so actually, uh, you mentioned... You could kind of go into the process of making a Pokemon. Could you tell me more about that? Like, could you just take me through the process? That sounds very interesting. Yeah, so fun fact, uh, my username Oripoke, uh, which is technically, although I don't pronounce it like this, it's supposed to be pronounced Oripoke. It's short for original Pokemon, and it is the uh, Japanese word for fakemon or fake Pokemon. <laughs> I literally named myself after fake Pokemon, the concept of making original Pokemon, because I'm that <laughs> obsessed with it. <laughs> okay, um, okay. <laughs> but basically, uh, uh, it takes it takes a lot of effort. I mean, you know, character design is a pursuit that can take many years to master. You know, understanding uh, things like uh, shape, language, and colors, and silhouette, and uh, you know how personality intertwines with the uh, the role that they play in whatever media you encounter them with. I mean, if you think about some iconic characters from any media, you know, and why they're so iconic, it's because they had a good character design behind them. And it's no Figmon are no exception. You really have to uh, think through. All the, uh, the firstly, the context in which they appear. Most of my fake mon ideas are meant to appear in some type of game project or other. Uh, so a lot of them are inspired by, you know, uh, when will the player see them? Are they a starter Pokemon? Are they something that you encounter in the early stages of your adventure? Are they a rare Pokemon that you only encounter through secret means? Uh, are they the signature Pokemon of a rival or a gym leader? Um, you know, uh, what kind of uh, lands, what kind of uh, environment do they live in? Uh, does it evolve? Does it have a baby form? Um, you know, what's its personality like? Does it, uh, you know, is it, is it nice? Is it mean? Do they, are they shy? Uh, is it weird? <laughs> what type is it? Uh, what are its unique abilities that set it apart from other Pokemon of the same type? Uh, is it course, a reference to the Titanic? Is it a reference to the the the? Is it a, a reference to the film The Titanic uh, that I've actually never seen? <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a, 
side note about Titanite, the Pokemon that you're referring to. Yes, it's literally a sinking ship that's called Titanite. <laughs> uh, we put it in the Very... game because we needed we needed more ice types. <laughs> that was the main reason it got included, but it's um it's probably my most controversial design ever. Uh, <laughs> Very subtle name. Uh, very subtle name <laughs> and um the the I, I like it because it represents kind of a turning point um uh the the pokemon in the uranium decks which you can actually see if you go on the uranium wiki uh pokedex page so that's another link that you should probably include uh <laughs> it is down there excellent um uh the uh uranium uh, the the uranium Pokemon are mostly in the order in which they were designed, with the exception of like obviously Urain, the title legendary, who was designed a long time ago, but is towards the end of the decks because that's when you get it in the game and because it's the title legend, you know. Um, right, right. But uh, so Titan Ice represents a turning point. You get it uh, the boundary between uh, West and East Tandor out of the ocean, and that's the point in which I realized as a game developer that. Uh, we have a very small team, and I can just do what I want. Like I can do whatever <laughs> I want. <laughs> like oh on the same gosh. on the same route that you encounter, you encounter ninjas on surfboard <laughs> who <laughs> battle you, and then when you win, they declare you their new Hokage. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so good. Oh man, I, I need to play this game up to there just to see that. That's I was awesome. just like, I I am a god of this world and nothing can stop me, which is probably not a great attitude to have <laughs> in real life. But in for me, it was very motivating. I was just like, I don't need to rein myself back. I don't need to cater to anyone's particular taste. I will include this design simply because it excites me and I find it interesting. So there's a lot of uh, individuality in a lot of the designs that I included in the game. They, they really speak to stuff that I thought was interesting or funny or a reference to a media that i was obsessed with back then <laughs> so there there's a lot of those there's there's a this very personal um game on some levels even though it's uh it's now been played by i don't know thousands hundreds of thousands of people uh there's there's still there's a lot of uh personal touches there in the uh in the decks and uh and the, the pokemon and this this the story and the writing and the random things that the npcs say most of which are pretty cringe inducing not not all of them are cringe inducing <laughs> some of them are cringe inducing to me now but also like you know if they were if they didn't exist then the game wouldn't exist so <laughs> uh i have i have you know a degree of fondness for them like you hopefully have for your younger self right right of course of and course. the choices that you made <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh all right well that's actually really cool um then let's see here oh i gotta be honest with you i got kind of uh i started looking through the list of pokemon and before i knew it i was like so focused on that <laughs> which one catches which one catches your eye i can tell you about it oh okay hold on that's 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 no that's difficult <laughs> i have to look a little bit closer now let me zoom will, in off the screen <laughs> i have a lot of thoughts about basically every single one because a lot of thought goes into every every pokemon in the game um mm -hmm. i mean some of them to be fair were just included be to be like okay we need a fire type or all right we need we need you know another ice type like titan ice <laughs> uh but you know my thoughts on titan ice i'm i'm happy to do a deep dive on any of the other ones in the decks uh like um in fact, I used to keep a blog. Uh, I haven't updated it in, uh, I guess, since 2016, but I used to keep a blog where I would uh, go into in detail about my uh, fake bond design process and uh, share my art 
and mostly just talk about the creative influences that went into it. Because, like, anything can be the inspiration behind a fake Pokemon. It doesn't need to be based on an animal. It can be based on uh, a concept. It can be based on a, uh, you know, a scientific process. This one guy I know on has been designing a whole Fakemon region that doubles as like a science and technology education platform because every really? Mon is based on some kind of esoteric science concept. And I think that's really cool. You know, you can really the sky's the limit. Well, the, the, you're, you're, the human creativity is the limit. So it's functionally limitless. Yeah, that's awesome. That's such a cool idea, actually. I love that. Yeah. If you could design a Pokemon, what would your Pokemon be? Oh, that is that is a packed question. Oh shoot. Okay. Well, while I think of that, let me ask you. Can you actually just tell me about like uh, the design of the starters? Yeah. Um. So the starters, the three starter Pokemon, uh, Orchinx, Raptorch, and Elatux, were not actually the original three. Uh. Well, Orchinx and Elatux were in the original base beta of the game, but uh, Raptorch was actually uh the the, originally, the fire starter was a Pokemon called Flagger, which is actually still in the deck, so you can see it. Uh, I think it's number uh, like 82 or something like that, or 105 maybe. Uh, a little, it's like a little fire, fire lion cub basically. Um, and uh, we ended up replacing Flagger as a starter, although we kept it in the game uh, because uh, we realized that there were two cats. <laughs> two of the starter two out of the three starters were cats and elatux could arguably be claimed to be a cat it's not a cat it's not really anything it's like a horse sort of um but uh so flagger got replaced as a starter by raptorch um so the starters are interesting because they only evolve once normally in a pokemon game you've got your starter and it starts out kind of weak and then it turns into its middle stage which is kind of like a teenager and then it turns into its fully evolved stage which is like an adult basically um but for the uranium starters they evolve once um which was uh choice that we made it's one of those choices that we made very very early on in development um that mm -hmm. just kind of became a foundational aspect of the game and so you know later on we just didn't want to change it i'm pretty sure the reason they originally had two straight two stages rather than three is because jv didn't want to do a third stage because that's too much effort but i liked the fact that they had two stages i liked that it was something different you know that was breaking the mold as i said that's something that we want to we were trying to um trying to not obey convention uh so uh that was part of the reason that i joined the project at all <laughs> so they have two mm -hmm. stages rather than three although they all have mega evolutions when they introduce megas in the sixth generation we're like oh we gotta include those in the game because for context uranium was in development from i think the third generation like pre-gen four right before diamond and pearl were even out well Maybe maybe Diamond and Pearl had just come out, but like it was originally in like the Ruby and Sapphire Emerald style, uh, and then it moved up through the generations. So it became Gen 4, and then eventually uh, we added in new game mechanics from Generation 5, and then Generation 6 came out with the Fairy type and Mega Evolutions, and so we added those into the game. And then I think, I th I think it's a Gen 6 game in terms of like mechanics-wise, because I don't believe there's any Gen 7 Pokemon that we included or there's no z moves or anything like that so like mechanic wise it's like uh pokemon x and y kind of i mean it's it's got its own basically meta game but uh it's got most of the mechanics from the generation that was the most current when the game was released which was uh generation six with x and y 
So I forgot the question. Oh yes, starters, starter evolution. <laughs> um, yeah, so they all have megas. Uh, so that's kind of like a third stage. But for the most part, uh, you know, they evolve once uh, in like the mid to late twenties. Um, so you know, if you're if <laughs> if you're in your early twenties and you haven't evolved yet, don't worry. You might just be <laughs> in like an indie Pokemon fan game. <laughs> it's okay. Some of us are late bloomers. All right, all right. Can't wait to evolve. I'm very much looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, to answer your question from earlier, if I were to make my own Pokemon, I've thought about this. I've I've thought about this for exactly how long? How how long has it been? Maybe five minutes. Um, <laughs> however long it took you to answer that, I would make three Pokemon: one that is a canvas, one that is a paintbrush, and one that is like a palette. And they like in the in the universe they are like seen together they're grouped together a lot but then they'll like evolve from each other however on the very off chance that you somehow have them all in like like a triple battle at the same time they each get a huge buff and that's where they're really useful but other than that they're like a little bit below average but yeah it's fun uh honestly i making pokemon has given me a newfound appreciation for gimmicky pokemon you know like Mm -hmm. stuff that's like is you know is it is it useful in battle not really, but it's got its own like unique flair. And um, you know, honestly, watching competitive Pokemon battling, like any Pokemon in the right hands can be good. Well, not any Pokemon, but like unexpected Pokemon can really shine, uh, given the right context and the right strategy behind them. So Yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. So don't write off a Pokemon just because its stats aren't in aren't like amazing, because there could be some hidden potential uh lurking there. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, all right. Um, let's see. In what ways does it differ from, like, the original Pokemon, like, a mainline Pokemon game? I know you already answered that a little bit, but, like, you know. In what ways is it different? So it's on PC. Except what you've already said. Uh, it's on PC. Um, it's in, it's pixel art. So nowadays the mainline Pokemon games are all 3D. Uh, but, uh, not just because pixel art is the only art style that I can really do <laughs> for a game. Uh, like I, I don't really, I have not, I am not skilled in 3d modeling. I've never done 3d modeling. So, uh, and, and I'm very partial to pixel art as well. Um, uh, so the graphical style is nostalgic, kind of a throwback. Um, uh, beyond that, uh, the, there is a gimmick in Pokemon Uranium that is sort of the defining feature of the game that sets it apart from any other game, and that is that we introduced a new type, the nuclear type Pokemon. Uh, and so that's a type that uh, Pokemon, it's a 19th type. There are 18 base types, and we added an extra one, and the nuclear type plays a major role in the game's story and conflict, and the uh, uh, some of the most recognizable uh, Pokemon in the game, like the mass, like the uh, the title legendary Uran or Nucleon, which is probably the most famous pick Pokemon I've ever created, uh, are the uh, new type that we created, Nuclear. So I think that's the uh, the main standout uh, from the game, other than it being you know a free to play fan game. <laughs> okay okay tell me more about the nuclear pokemon then what's up with that right so nuclear um is a unique type in that it is uh uh simultaneously weak to every other element and also strong against every other element except for poison and nuclear uh no really? sorry steel and nuclear so uh because of that it is uh challenging to play around because using nuclear types on your team has a high risk to reward uh factor because it's so unstable you know 
that's why it's it's uh it's got all these vulnerabilities but it's also incredibly powerful like um, a glass cannon yeah, exactly. So pretty much all the nuclear mons are glass cannons. Um, there's some there's some odd use cases, uh, but for the most part, they're all um, yeah. They're they're you have to be mindful because you can you can do a lot of damage, but you take one hit and you're down. Um, uh, but they're still like incredibly OP. <laughs> uh, like right. Nucleon is probably the single most powerful Pokemon in the game, and it's pretty easy to get. So, like, if you really want to have an easy time with the game, just get Nucleon as soon as you can. You can get Eevee on uh, before the sixth gym, and uh, you can just evolve it right then and there, and uh, get the most busted Pokemon ever. <laughs> so when people are like this game is hard, I'm like, just get a Nucleon, <laughs> <laughs> and don't play. You don't have to play the game after that because it just wins. <laughs> maybe maybe we could have done better with balance. Balancing it, but eh, yeah. um, another feature about the nuclear type is that there are there are like two different kinds of nuclear Pokemon. There are natively nuclear types, which are Pokemon that were uh, that are uh, only nuclear type, or like they're 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 naturally nuclear. Um, so there's Nucleon, but there's also Pokemon like Gigaroach, which is a nuclear type cockroach. <laughs> we had to have a nuclear cockroach, obviously. Uh, you know, they're the only things that can survive nuclear fallout. Um, and uh, there's also uh, Xenomite and its evolution, Xenogen and Xenoqueen, which are based on the alien from Alien. <laughs> uh, like, like the chest version. Subtle, very subtle. Very subtle. Yeah, no, we, we really just basically, not, as I said, nothing could stop me. At that point, I was fully unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we have that, and we also have, um, there's also uh, corrupted regular Pokemon that were exposed to nuclear radiation, and so they turned nuclear type. And those Pokemon, uh, in the story of the game, are feral. You know, they kind of lose their sense of self, and they become mindless, violent uh uh, basically battle machines that will attack anything, any Pokemon or human that steps in their way. And if you catch them and use them in battle, they uh, will disobey their trainer. So they'll, you know, often lash out or they'll they'll use a different move or they just won't attack that turn. Uh, so they're a little they're a little frustrating to use. They can be really strong, but it's a bigger even even bigger gamble than just using a nuclear type overall. But they uh, they're also they can also add a pretty big power boost to your team, so you have to sort of strategically like think about when you're going to use them and when you're not. Um, but uh, that's kind of the main driving conflict of the game itself is around these nuclear type Pokemon and what's and the nuclear disasters that they originate from. And so, as you might be able to tell from the uh, from what I've been saying, it's kind of a little bit of a darker story than you typically see, and definitely mm -hmm. something that you wouldn't see coming out of canon, given that Pokemon is made by a Japanese development team, and uh, uh, Japan as a nation has a pretty fraught history with uh, with um, nuclear. Uh, accidents, considering like Fukushima more recently, and of yeah. course, the, of course, the atom bomb. Uh, so you know, a little bit of a yeah, bit of a touchy subject, really. I picked it because I thought it was cool, um, and I was like, I was like thirteen, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, not the most nuanced take on a real world issue, but it's also not the most realistic depiction of uh, radiation um, and its effects on living things. That said, though. Um, when I was about your age, uh, I had a college course on um, uh, ecology, and for our final project, we had to pick a topic of ecology and write a paper on it and like compose a simulation about it. And so I picked 
uh, how biological organisms adapt to ambient nuclear radiation in like the Chernobyl disaster area. Um, so I actually did some real world research on the effects of radiation on living things and like what it does to them. Uh, <laughs> and that, re that, that research topic was definitely more than a little bit inspired by the subject matter of the game that I was making. So mm -hmm. um, it's not, obviously it's not like, it's not, super scientifically rigorous anybody with even a, a small amount of understanding of how nuclear power plants work or how nuclear radiation works is going to be like that's not how it is but it's pokemon it's not it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a cartoon where you make animals fight each other i don't think anyone's gonna look at this and be like this is not scientifically accurate excuse me if this I pokemon care. touched nu like a uh, nuclear got radiation poisoning it would be like this not this oh my gosh i'm writing a 50 page dissertation on why you're wrong about your pokemon game you know some people some people have written some really really long like blog posts and youtube videos correcting the mistakes that we made <laughs> and it's like dude <laughs> i mean like okay you do you more power to you that's great that's wonderful um i i was i was 14 <laughs> uh, but yeah not not meant to be a particularly nuanced commentary on modern day energy issues or anything like that i picked it because it was a cool unique motif that hadn't really been explored before in another fan game and i think it would set it apart and uh all that said i don't think the game is as dark and edgy as its reputation is i mean it's still fundamentally a light-hearted adventure like mm -hmm. you know you can save the day. <laughs> There's right, a, you know, right. the hero, it's not much of a spoiler to say that the heroes win in the end and, you know, the power of friendship overcomes everything. So, you know, there's, there's some twists and turns along the way. And there's definitely a lot of, a lot more like, uh, personal aspects and backstory. And, uh, one character, Theo, who's your rival and kind of like the recurring, like the most, he, he's the character that gets the most development in the story because he starts out as like this obnoxious little brat who you've met him. <laughs> he's constantly I following have. you. He, he cries every time he loses. He's so annoying. <laughs> he is very but annoying. I agree. He's so annoying by design. But then by the end of the game, he, he goes through a bunch of, he gets super traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> but by the end of the game, he's like a fully fledged character. He's done all this development and stuff. Cause you can't, with a Pokemon game, you have a silent protagonist. So the main character can't really like undergo a change in personality as a result of the events of the story. And I mean, mm -hmm. they don't usually do any sort of character development whatsoever in Pokemon games, but I wanted to do it because my city now. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, so since the main character can't do it, Theo has the character development uh, that normally the protagonist would have. Um, and cause he's, he's really the game's main protagonist. If you think about it, <laughs> the protagonist is just there. And Theo is like the real main character. <laughs> uh, because like, if you think about it, you get the starter that's good against his in the, in a conventional Pokemon game, your rival always gets the starter that beats yours. Uh, but in Uranium, Theo, uh, starts off at a disadvantage and he's always like one step behind you. So he's sort of like the inverse of your Gary, uh you know he's he's really he's uh we played with the well i played with the rival trope when i was uh creating him and uh the role that he plays in the story is uh is uh you know it's i i i'm, I'm still pretty proud of it i have i have a lot of fondness for him even though he's a little shit <laughs> sorry can i say that <laughs> yes you can say that you're allowed to curse as much as you want i should have told you that but don't worry about that at all
Yeah, so I think that that pretty much explains how different Uranium is from the canon games. It's, you know, it's made by a very small team, so it's got all these personal touches that get massaged out of a triple-A game experience, like your Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, and uh, it's, you know, with all the... With all the um, flaws and cringe-worthy moments that come with it, you know? <laughs> it's right, a game right. made by a very small team uh on uh no budget whatsoever. Uh and um and it and uh and it's a passion project that we made because we love Pokemon. Alright, alright. Yeah, that actually answers a lot of other questions I had too. Nice. But yeah, I'm honestly like just from what you've said now, I really want to go and play it more just so I can figure out what the story is. Yeah, I hope you have fun. So I think there's some there's some stuff that uh well, you know, I'm not uh I'm not working on it anymore, but I so one of the quality of life features that I really wish we had in it was um and we could have included honest honestly, this is in generation 6 was a universal EXP share that shares that distributes experience throughout your party cuz like the game's level balance and difficulty curve is a little wonky. Uh so <laughs> that's the one thing that like, you know, if we weren't so like hard set on like this is a more difficult game experience for people who are already experienced playing Pokémon games and are tired of like all the hand-holding and all the the baby game aspects like it's actually we're going to put some challenge in it and make the player have to actually think instead of just, you know, it with their starter uh, which is still the case and the game's level curve is pretty brutal honestly like you uh there there's a point in the game where you're just going to be under leveled compared to the, mm -hmm. the 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 enemy trainers unless you do some serious grinding but i just wish we had the exp all like they have i think it would really fix a lot of issues that uh the game has with like accessibility and like you know balance you know, if you could raise more than one Pokemon or more than two Pokemon at once. But I'm not involved with the game anymore. Uh, as you probably already know, we got served a cease and desist and I had to step down as lead developer, which was honestly for the best. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but, a, but a new team took up uh, the game in my absence. And so they're they're in charge of making all decisions relating to the game going forward. Uh, so... But all that being said, I hope you enjoy playing it if you do uh, continue from your uh, your playthrough because there's a there's a lot of fun secrets. We really you know we really wanted to make a a fun expansive adventure uh, that was reminiscent of the games that we all grew up on. So. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to replaying to replaying to playing it more. Um, I actually I actually was thinking of maybe doing something with it involving stream. Maybe maybe something fun like uh like I'm not sure if you've seen this you probably haven't uh, there's a youtuber youtuber slash streamer who named salty dk dan who did a uh is currently doing a series called a friend like where he play, does a friend lock essentially like a nuzlocke but all of his friends represent the different pokemon and his yeah, friends no, like that's really fun um, yeah however however this is my bias speaking um but i've actually you know one of the joys of being a game developer of a game that achieves some level of notoriety and play is that you can watch other people play your game and i've done that a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> because especially in the early years you know because it's just like it's always fun seeing how what people's reactions are to the stuff that you put in you know the the right, twists right. and turns and the challenges and the new pokemon and stuff like that uh but one thing that i will say that is my biggest pet peeve with any let's play that i watch i cannot abide it when people do a nuzlocke for the first playthrough now th this is this is just me and you're totally welcome to, to do a Nuzlocke of the game for your first playthrough. 
but I implore you not to for two reasons. Number one, doing a Nuzlocke limits the amount of Pokemon that you can catch. I spent mm. so much time coming up with all these different species of Pokemon, and you're only going to get to catch like a random assortment of them that you get on your first encounter. So you sure, won't get to true. develop, you won't get to, to understand, to like get to know all the different Pokemon that I made, and you won't get to collect them, which is, I think, one of the main things that's enjoyable about a Pokemon game. To me, anyway, I love completing the Pokedex. Uh, Number two, you're going to be stressed out the entire time you play. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> some people like that. And obviously it's good for like YouTube clicks. But like, I feel like you're not going to enjoy the game as much if you're constantly worried. Like, is my Pokemon going to faint? Am I, you know, what happens if I lose? Then the Nuzlocke run is over. And then number three, if you do lose, you're not going to want to play the game after that. Because you're just so frustrated and discouraged. You're probably just going to be like, all right, well, that's a lost cause. And then you'll move on to the next thing. So personally speaking, and I know we included a Nuzlocke mode in the game. Uh, so like, you know, I am a total hypocrite on this, but I just, you know, I play, play the game normally. Stop inflicting this challenge on yourself, even though we put it in the game so people can play Nuzlocke. <laughs> I really, I dug my own hole with this one and I know you that really Nuzlocke did. is like all the rage, but I, but I, I, I can, I'm allowed to be salty about it. <laughs> and I am. Can you hear me being salty? Cause I'm salty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I can. I think the audience can too. <laughs> All right, well, despite your advice, I'm doing it anyways. All right, that's, that's more no, power to you. I actually will play. I, I will play the game normally once, but I do think I still will stream a friend lock because that would be fun. Yeah. Oh, it'd be really fun on your second playthrough or definitely, beyond. Definitely. Go go, go crazy. And there is something like about a blind Nuzlocke where like you really don't know what's coming, so you have to be ready for anything, and that's kind of fun, and you can't really replicate that on a second playthrough. But, but uh, To be but fair, I also don't, don't want to lose right away. Yeah, you don't get to experience the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't uh, experience the story normally first once, honestly. Like even off yeah, stream, I mean, you know. Just, just play it however you like. Do it in whatever way excites you. And uh, at this point, I have no, I have no say over how people play my game. And something that I've learned over the course of making games is that people will play your game in the wrongest possible way. <laughs> <laughs> when you're developing games you cannot conceive of how many ways people will play them and how wrong they will play them <laughs> it's gonna like you know every single thankfully when we were beta testing we had a tester who was a speed runner so uh he played the shit out of the game he basically he poured in like you know full-time job 40 hours a week he walked into every single wall in the game to to check for collision uh issues yeah it was still pretty it still had a fair fair number of game breaking bugs on release but uh it was uh we we did end up patching those out so now it runs pretty stably and we uh the 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 now dev team has fixed a lot of the frame rate issues that it had as well so um it runs better than it used to Still not great because it's made in software from 2003. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> uh, kind of, you know, it can kind of chug if you, especially if you've got multiple processes going, it runs a lot slower than you would expect, like a 2D pixel art game to, to run. But, mm -hmm. you know, that's just, eh, just breaks, you know. <laughs> right, right. Dang, massive yeah. respect to the speedrunner guy. That is insane. Yeah, he was so good. Uh, on the on the day of release, he did he live streamed his speed run, um, and I think he completed it in under three hours. Wow, geez. because I mean he'd been developing strats while the game was still in beta, so like he he had figured out like routes for each of the starters and stuff like that. I think now the speed run is like just over two hours actually, which is a uh, very impressive. Um, 
And uh, it's I'm so glad because I love watching speedruns. And so it's really, really cool to see my life's work just absolutely blitzed through by somebody <laughs> in two hours. <laughs> Gosh, that is impressive. Yeah. And it's a hard game. It's not it's not like it's not handed to you on a platter. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm I, I, I'm proud. I wonder if they've made any more innovations in terms of uh, the speedrun last time I watched. But uh, but yeah, very fun seeing how people will break your game open at the seams. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I love that. That is neat. What a, this like, game has such a cool community around it, I must say. It really does. Yeah. I'm, I, 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 I mean, I, I made the thing, but I don't really have, I can't really take credit for the community as it stands now. People have really uh, taken the uh, base game and run with it to create, you know, a, a group of people who are really invested in, you know, trading and developing strategies and battle move sets and stuff like that. Like there's a whole meta game with like tier lists and, um, you know, there's, there are entire aspects of this thing that I created that I have little to no understanding of, and that's uh cool. <laughs> yeah, I think that's cool. Also, a lot of great fan art. Um, uh, like there's a there's a whole Discord server that's uh, just devoted to creative works that are related to, inspired by, and made by fans of Uranium. So, uh, not to play favorites, but that one's my favorite Discord server <laughs> related mm -hmm. to Uranium. <laughs> Understandable. Like, you, UG is great. You, shout out to Uranium General, but the Creators Collective has my heart. <laughs> right, right. Can't blame me. That's really cool. That must be. That is so awesome that like this community has persisted so far past the release of this game. Yeah, there's a Spanish language community. I think there's a breeders server. There's I think there's a Spanish breeders server or like a competitive battling server. I have no idea how many Discord servers there are for the game. Like there are probably way more than I am even aware of. Yeah, that is insane. That's so cool, though. And like, also, yeah. the amount of translations that this game has is also insane to me. Like, the amount of languages you can play it in. Yeah, also something I had nothing to do with, but I am so thrilled. Like, there's a Chinese translation, there's a Spanish translation, I think there's a Portuguese translation. Uh, they were working on a German one. There's one, there's a translation into Leet Speak, which has caused a lot of issues because people have their games accidentally set to Leet Speak, and they're like, how do I change it? What, why is it all numbers? Why is all the letters numbers? <laughs> Wait, what is Leet Speak? You know, oh man, oh, I feel so old right now. <laughs> um, you literally said uh, when I was your age at one point. What are you expecting? Uh, yeah, it's true. Um, so lead speak is like uh, old internet lingo for like replace. It's like words where you put like numbers, like you put a letter number five in place of the letter S, oh. and number seven in place of the letter T, um, and a zero in place of an O, and stuff like that. So uh, okay, okay, yeah. I know about that. I've never heard it referred to as lead speak, though. It was, it was in a bygone era. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Okay, so you very, uh, you briefly mentioned to cease and desist. Can you just give me a very quick like rundown of what happened there uh, for anybody sure, who so, is uh, somehow not aware of this? Yeah, so fan games are illegal. <laughs> turns out, turns out you can't use an intellectual property that is copyrighted uh, without a license to use that copyright. Uh, now, a third party can use a uh, IP with a license. A great example of this is Pokemon Go, which is a game developed by Niantic, uh, and they have, uh, in conjunction with the Pokemon company, but they have a license to use the characters uh, and attributes 
and brand name uh, and assets from Pokemon. Uh, another example is Legendary Pictures, who produced the Detective Pikachu movie, also not the Pokemon company. They licensed the rights to use the characters for, I presume, many millions and millions of dollars because an intellectual property is worth a lot of money. We don't have that. You don't have a license when you make a fan game. You are basically making it on the assumption that uh, you could get shut down at any time because legally they can do that. If you're using it without a license, then they can sue you. <laughs> I didn't get sued, to be clear, uh, but they sent me a letter being like, don't, 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 or we will. <laughs> That's what a cease and desist is. Uh, so... Fortunately, we were able to complete and release the game, and it was actually out for about a month before I received the letter telling me to stop all work on the game. And at that point, honestly, I'd gotten everything I wanted out of the project. You know, I'd had uh, many people were playing it, uh, and I had put a lot of myself into it, and um, I was content with the state of the game as it was. You know, if it had happened in the middle of development, uh, like unfortunately it did happen to some other fan projects, uh, like uh, one by Cole cool boy man i'm trying to remember what it was like a crystal hack pokemon prism pokemon prism was a fan game that was uh unfortunately shut down before they could do a full release of the game uh to the public um but we had we we managed to get through the entire development cycle uh and then received a uh shutdown notice so uh i'm very fortunate and i'm also very fortunate it didn't go to court <laughs> definitely definitely all right you got a little yeah. bit lucky in one case there but uh yeah, yeah you guys but, heard um, it my uh, current guest is a criminal. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I have, I have committed crimes. <laughs> That's okay. Crime is very cool. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, don't, don't make a fan game. Honestly, don't, don't do it. Make an original game that you can actually, you know, sell uh, and make money. Says the person of... working on another Pokemon fan game. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Great advice. <laughs> yeah, no, don't make a fan game. Is my advice. I think fan games are great as a way to explore creativity and to find other people who are passionate about the same kind of stuff as you. Um, but if you want to go to go into professional game development, and thank goodness I don't, my I have a totally different career in an utterly unrelated field uh, now. Really? Uh, well, tangentially related, but it's not to not anything to do with game development or even like creating um, or programming anything like that or art <laughs> i have a totally different career and a full-time job now that is not game dev uh but if you want to go into game dev um i suggest working on your own original properties um rather than a fan game because it's a lot of effort and it's all going to be for free you know you're not <laughs> so you know it'll get you some clout it'll get you some attention but um I think that in order to develop your skills as a real game developer it is worth it to develop your own stuff that said, uh, I am not a real game developer. I am a uh, person who cosplays as a game developer. So I, uh, <laughs> I, and I do this as a, as a hobby. So as a pure hobby, uh, it's great. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, that actually does make me think. If you were to, um, if you were to try and be like a, an actual game developer and like apply at a company or something, do you think you could use Pokemon Uranium as like a, something to show off your skills? Yeah, I mean it's a moot point because I, I I am I am not interested in game dev as a career, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, right. Just wonder if like the the problem the fact that it is a fan game that would get in the way of that. But like the return on your investment is so low for a fan game because it takes so much effort, it takes so many hours and hours and days and years of work 
to make something playable uh, and good that you might as well make something original if you're not if you're doing this for for your career type things that's that's definitely that's my that's my perspective (laughs) but if it's but as something for fun with your friends like i i like it because i have friends who who also make fan games and so we can talk about it all the time and that's it's it's a social thing for me as much as it is a uh, creative pursuit Mm -hmm. and you have to be completely fueled by passion to do something like this yeah definitely definitely passion project there's no other word for it (laughs) exactly exactly well, there are many other words for it, and I've said a lot of them. <laughs> it's the best word for it. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, you've mentioned many times that you're no longer involved with the game. Why is that? And what's going on with it now that, like, you're not well, involved? Well, I got a letter <laughs> that said I could be involved, so I'm not involved anymore. JP and I left <laughs> the project, uh, so we, we have nothing to do with the, the, the game as it currently stands or who's currently distributing it. Um... I I don't so I don't have a whole lot of insight as to what's going on now. I know that there have been some new mystery gifts that were put out, which are like uh, Pokemon with custom skins and maybe some uh, exclusive moves that you can only get that way. And so for collectors, uh, it's worth uh, keeping up. I think that there's a new Halloween one. Don't don't kill me if there isn't one. Uh, <laughs> anyone who's in chat or listening to this, but I think they they do like seasonal themed Pokemon uh, releases, and uh, they're. I think they're working on some new content, maybe for the game. Uh, I mean, it's been it's been five years, so uh, I'm not sure what the time frame is on adding anything new to the game. I did give them a a, a rule, which is that please don't change the stuff that's already there um, in the in the game itself. Just add if you're gonna add stuff, add it on top of what's already there. You know, because I <laughs> preserve the vision was basically my uh, my directive. Uh, but and they've done a pretty good job of that. And the game also runs a lot smoother and has way fewer bugs than it was when we released it. So uh, big kudos to them. Also, the online services run still uh, are on another server now and they run just as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, so shout outs. I had nothing to do with that, uh, but, you know, I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really neat. OK. Um, do you wish you were still involved with it or anything like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> what is that well i i i'm i i have i have many other things that i'm doing with my time mm, understandable understandable <laughs> it was a bit you know in some ways you know being forced to step back from it was a blessing in disguise like yeah it was hard at the moment but uh on, on another level it was necessary like i needed to move on frankly i had you know I I finished college. I was, you know, figuring out what I was going to do with myself. I couldn't just define myself by this project anymore. I needed to move past it and understand what I wanted to do now that I'd finished this big game. Uh, And so uh, it was it was kind of it was kind of it was kind of a relief (laughs) maintaining a a public presence and running on the discord and and social media and everything like that was uh, equally as time consuming as making the game itself. So. Um, I frankly don't miss it. <laughs> I mean, I still am extremely online, but uh, I'm online in different ways now, um, which is which is kind of kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and I know that the game's a good hands, so I don't need to worry too much about that. That's nice. That's nice. So we've kind of uh, you've mentioned this a few times already, but can you tell us a bit about like, your next project? Right. Uh, so actually, before I talk about Pokemon Flux, uh, I do want to talk about some of the other stuff that I've done uh, in between completing Uranium and 
now today. Okay, uh, okay. go for it. I've I've actually so um oh this is interesting. How do I de- I always struggle with describing this. Uh, there is a fan game MMORPG on the internet. Um, it is called Poke uh called Poke Engine. It's a browser based uh game that is. Uh, that lets you that also is an engine that lets you build games in the Pokemon style. And I've made a couple of playable areas in that MMORPG, which I consider as sort of like mini projects uh, that were that came together a lot faster than nine years. <laughs> they took about, uh-huh. uh, I'd say, two to three months each uh, to, to put together. Um, and they're like little self-contained uh, regions that uh, the player can explore and collect Pokemon and uh, overcome challenges and solve puzzles. And uh, you know, they're, so they're both, they're both like mini adventures that are made on a different engine. Um, so if people are interested, it's pokeengine.org <laughs> and you have to request beta access because it's a currently closed beta, but uh, definitely a very unique uh, type of game. Uh, that's very difficult to describe because it's both a game and the engine that you use to make the game. So uh, there's nothing else that's quite like it. Uh, but those I made, both of those I made, I think, last year. Uh, but about the same time that I was developing those, I was also working on my next project, uh, which was announced uh, on the fifth anniversary of Uranium. Uh, and it's a new, a new fully-fledged fan game called Pokemon Flux that uh, I've been working on for the last year and a half now, I think, or like year and three months-ish. Um, Real quick and, before uh, you continue, want to say, yeah. Poke Engine, link is in the description. That is very, very cool, and I'm really looking forward to checking that out myself, probably right after the stream is over, honestly. Yeah, my favorite thing about Poke Engine, beyond just the games that are on it, is the uh, DEXs. So there's a bunch of uh, users submitted. Everything on that website is user-created, uh, and there are a bunch of... Uh, fan-made Pokedexes with uh, tons and tons and tons of really, really cool Fakemon and really great pixel art. Um, so just like, it's it's just a lot of fun to like browse and see everybody's cool ideas and stuff. Um, but also the MMO is fun. And if you uh, do get to play it, I recommend checking out Barovia uh, as well as Easter Island. Those are the two mm-hmm. regions that I uh, had a large hand in the creation of. It wasn't just me. I was working with a team of people uh, but uh, we we pulled that we we pulled those together and uh, they are uh, they're a lot of fun little self contained adventures um, and I think of them as like mini fan games. Okay, all right, sounds awesome. I cannot wait to check it out. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Now go on about Pokemon Flux. Right. So Flux is uh, like Uranium, um, but better in every single possible way that you could think of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. It's. Uh, I don't want to go too much into detail about what the game will actually contain because there's a lot of stuff that we are intentionally keeping under wraps to maintain a uh, sense of surprise for the player who experiences it for the first time. Uh, but I will say that it takes place in the Altera region. Um, there are new game mechanics and battle mechanics um, and, of course, new Pokemon, uh, as well as returning ones from the Tandor region. Um uh, there's, uh, we've got a, we've got a slightly bigger team this time working on the game. Um, not, not a huge team, just about, you know, uh, but you know, it's, a, a more than just me and JV who are developing it. Uh, and it's, it's very, very cool. And I'm very excited for people to get their hands on it. Uh, we're really, no, no, I can't, I can't guarantee this, but we really want to get some type of playable version of 
it out you know in a de in demo form out by the end of the year mm -hmm. uh but since this is all done on a volunteer basis i can't you know it, it's <laughs> i can't guarantee that we'll have the bandwidth to do that as a team uh but uh here's hoping we've had a lot of progress and there's a lot of stuff that i'm looking forward to showing uh but it's uh yes it's a very polished uh i i would call it kind of like a it's it's very eighth gen inspired a lot of stuff uh, we borrow a lot of uh, aspects from Pokemon Sword and Shield that we really liked, like the larger, uh, less linear routes. Uh, you can see Pokemon in the overworld and go up to them to initiate a battle. Your Pokemon follows you around. Uh, there's an emphasis on double battles in this game uh, and uh, even heavier emphasis on strategy um, because we really wanted to make it uh, the kind of game where the player's choices uh, matter a lot in terms of like both in terms of like the decisions they make in battle as well as how they build their team uh, and uh, even which uh, which protagonist they choose so in flux there are three playable characters and each one of them is a distinct character um and the uh the, the character they choose will have gameplay consequences you know certain events might play out differently depending on which perspective they're uh witnessing the same story events from so uh a lot of uh, a lot of interesting stuff. I think it's a game that'll bear replaying as well. Uh, our main focus with this one is, uh, and this this will sound like a no brainer, but uh, bear with me here. Was uh, on the gameplay. We really wanted to make it a fun game, uh, just to be in and to move around in and to experience um, that the player wants to be in the game. Because like with uranium, as I mentioned, one of our <laughs> philosophies for better or for worse was we wanted to do something that was very different uh, and almost mm -hmm. unexpected. Uh, but for Flux, I, I feel like we're, we really want to make it to focus on the player's experience, first of all, uh, to make it something that's uh, fun. We want to make it fun. Uh, and that's our that's going to be the driving philosophy behind uh, pretty much everything that uh, goes into this game. Is is it fun? Is it enjoyable? Uh, does it create a sense of awe or mystery or, you know, is it is it something that's uh, that's really uh, and we're not we're not we're not afraid either of shaping shaking up some key mechanics as well. Uh, like, for instance, um, something that we kind of came to an understanding on uh, amongst the team was that uh, in Pokemon battles, using items is not fun. <laughs> you know, opening Agreed. up your bag and, you know, using a revive to heal a down team member or using a healing item or when the opponent uses a healing item, it's not fun. It's like the least fun thing you can do with your turn. Um, so we got rid of the ability to use items in battle, aside from really? Pokeballs. Yeah, you can use Pokeballs. You can still throw them at a wild Pokemon. There's like a little hotkey for it. But uh Instead of using items in battle, they're very abundant in the overworld. Like healing items are everywhere. Uh, you can you can really heal up your Pokemon very easily. Uh, but you can't. Yeah. So that will that. But there are there are other ways to uh, buff your Pokemon that aren't in the uh, that that are tied to this new game mechanic that we haven't revealed yet. But um, you know, I think that the the battles will still be very complex. There'll be mostly double battles, which adds a, a layer of complexity already, but there's also uh, a lot of really interesting stuff that we're doing and fun new Pokemon uh, with, with interesting gimmicks that will play uniquely into the double battle setting um, and I think will uh, be a lot of fun. This is very, uh, a lot of us are really into competitive Pokemon battling and like VGC um, and we're giving a lot more thought to the meta game and like the role that each Pokemon has to play, not just in the environment and then in the story, but as a uh, battler and as a team member into different strategies. So um, 
yeah, a lot of really, really cool stuff and neat ideas that have come, not just from me, but from uh, the, the whole Flux team. And um, uh, it's something that I'm really excited about. And uh, I think that people are really going to like it. And so I'm trying, <laughs> but we're also taking our time with it. We don't want to rush this out. Uh, so it might be a bit until people can get their hands on it. But when they do, I, I, I aim to have it be a, a fun experience. And it really reflects a lot of the things that we've learned game before uh-huh. you know like i said at the start better than uranium in every conceivable way <laughs> okay yeah that sounds like super awesome i love that concept and like you were totally right about items i cannot wait to see what that is like i am genuinely yeah. very excited for this now i think we're gonna Such get a little bit of pushback on that and uh the other thing that we're gonna get get pushback on is that uh and uh here's a fun spoiler that we haven't revealed yet uh there are oh, let's go secret get- information <laughs> Yeah, you get two starters in Flux because it's a double battle focused game. Uh, so, of course, the player gets two starters at the outset. Uh, but one of them you don't get to choose. <laughs> uh-huh. One of the starters is assigned based on the player that you pick. And the other one you get to choose. Oh, how cool. So there's, so there's your main, your your classic fire, water, grass starters that we've revealed already are uh, Maz, Chiclet, and Findolf. Maz, which is a grass type moth. And Chiclet, which is a fire type little bird. And Findolf, which is a dolphin. <laughs> Mm-hmm. obviously <laughs> uh, but then there are what we call the alt starters uh which are three returning pokemon from tandor uh that might be familiar to people who have played uranium but if not that's totally okay they have a fresh coat of paint and their stats have been rejiggered a little bit to to make them more balanced with the rest of the uh pokemon that are in this game but uh that are um minyan who's a little little cat bat thing who's a poison type uh, Luna Pup, who's a little dog that's also a superhero, uh, and Selkid, which is a little little mermaid. Uh, and so you get you you don't get to choose which one you get. They're assigned to uh, you based on the player that you you pick. So there's there's three protagonists, and so each protagonist has their designated alt starter uh, that they choose, and that's consistent throughout every playthrough. So like uh-huh. you know every every time you choose Aster, you will get Minion. And every time you choose Sky, you will get Selkid. Uh, you know, it's color-coded, which helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, so that, I feel, I, I, I can already expect we're going to get some pushback on that, but I feel like that's one of the ways in which the player choice is really, you know, has gameplay consequences, uh, which is something that really didn't, what wasn't in Uranium. And I, I don't fully, I don't anticipate, like, this to have much branching paths or story, you know, because <laughs> I'm the writer. I, I wrote all the game dialogue for Uranium, and I'm also writing most of the dialogue flux, and I don't want to have to write multiple, I, I already have to write three versions of every event scenario uh, from from each of the different main characters' perspectives. I don't really want to inflict on myself, like, major branching story paths, but um, you know, there will be more, I, I hope to include more instances in which the player character's decisions can uh, influence the way the game plays out so that when the player wants to revisit the game, they can choose a different path and get a different um, kind of experience. All right. Dang, awesome. I'm so excited for this now. That actually sounds so cool. And thank you for the little secret information. I was kind of I was kind of planning to ask you for it, but I got to be honest, I didn't expect you would actually just give it to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I'm willing to reveal right now, though. So uh, no, no, that is know. already so much more than I would have ever expected. <laughs> How exciting! Dang, you have like successfully made me really want to play this game. I cannot wait for it to come out. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's really good. I mean, I I I um, 
I love, obviously, I, I really, I still like Pokemon, and I'm glad that this is a Pokemon game, but I kind of wish it wasn't a Pokemon game. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because then we could, then we could be, you know, totally, uh, limiters off but uh the fact that it is a pokemon game lets us bring the lets us homage our prior work uh lets us bring in the new game mechanics and kind of have a that have been introduced to the series since the last time we made a fan game and kind of have a dialogue with pokemon as a series in the way that it's evolved uh, it also which i really think a bit of a framework oh yeah for sure for sure we wouldn't all be working on this project if it wasn't pokemon like that's motivator <laughs> right right but uh yeah it's um it's 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 really it's it's really cool. Also, the engine Pokemon Essentials that we use to build uranium has improved by leaps and bounds since we did. Like the performance is way better. The battles are way more dynamic now. Uh, you know, there's there's all these new functions and features. It it plays like a completely different game engine because it really is. I mean, it's been it's had five years of improvement on it. Uh, and uh, the Pokemon Essentials is also made by a team of volunteers. Um, it's uh, it's it's really cool seeing how far it's come and how far we've come as developers relative to relative to how we were. And I hope it doesn't take us another nine years. That's the, that's the only thing. If I am uh, redacted years old and still working on Flux, <laughs> <laughs> what's your goal with that? Then what is your like uh, goal for a time frame? If you have anything in mind, eh, we have a roadmap. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I don't like naming specific dates because that'll tie, that'll on some level tie me down. And, uh, of course, of you course. know, uh, it, it'll get done when it's done. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you think in like four years, five years, something like that? Uh, 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 yeah, uh, you were getting a shrug. I'm shrugging <laughs> in real life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> fair enough. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's, Hopefully it'll be done faster because we don't have to go back and redo the entire game, which we did for Uranium. Like all the maps, all the dialogues, not all the dialogues, most of the maps and most of the dialogues uh, were completely redid. Uh, all the sprites got remade some multiple times. Uh, at one point, so um, so you've played Pokemon, you've played Pokemon, how many Pokemon games have you played? Like the, the official ones? Um, oh, that is actually a really difficult question. I would have to think about that. Not enough time to think, but Have a lot. you played Pokemon Diamond and Pearl? That was my first one. Okay, great. Awesome. So, you know, have you played Pokemon Black and White? No. Okay. Uh, so, for context, in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, the graphical style was such that the Pokemon was... The Pokemon that you had on your side was like, you would see just like its head and shoulders. You know, it was mm -hmm. cut off midway through. And then in Pokemon Black and White, they switched to having these full body back views because the battle camera was more dynamic. You know, it was zooming in and out and you know, the Pokemon were animated and stuff like that. So uh, Uranium, we started out in making it when it was when Diamond and Pearl were like the most recent Pokemon games. And so we had a graphical style that was based on Diamond and Pearl with these half body back sprites. And then as the generations went on and we moved to full body back sprites, we had a moment where we realized like, oh, we're going to have to redo every every single back sprite of every Pokemon in the game. And by we, I mean me, because I did those. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also in the process of redoing the back sprites, we also had to redo the front sprites because a lot of them were not up to the standards that we had. And so like the 
iterative improvement process, uh, you know, as we got more skilled uh, and uh, learned more about developing games and what players wanted and responded to different things, um, you know, obviously, naturally, as we got better, we saw the things that were lacking in the game in beta, and so we went back and changed it. So the version of the of Uranium that we released on August 6th, 2016, represented our then best uh, best effort. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> but since obviously it's been five years since then, and we've grown a lot. So uh, the, uh, but I hope that the new game we won't have to redo huge swaths of it uh, over and over again like we did before. Uh, we have already redone certain sections of it, but um, we're we're we can be a little bit more confident in the decisions that we make that they are good decisions that we're not going to regret later on down the line. I mean, I do regret having to write multiple versions of every single dialogue, but that's just that's just how it goes sometimes. <laughs> fine. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, that's awesome. I, I really cannot wait to see this come out, but I, uh, I want to ask a little bit more about... I, I know I feel like I'm kind of uh, leaving back in time here, but I want to ask you a little bit more about uh, the process of creating uranium. So specifically, like, did you have any struggles with it that you didn't see coming or anything that, like, you wish you had realized you would have struggled with while you were working on it? Other than a letter from Nintendo? Other than a letter from Nintendo, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh... I mean, hey, the game was all for fun. Uh, but I, I, I mentioned earlier, we had to redo all the back sprites, every single one of the game. Uh, we hadn't planned on that, but it was for the better. Had that we done so. Sick. Like it was, it was totally worth it. Like there was no question that the game was improved having these full, these full view. And they were twice the. Uh, this is a little. This is a thing that only matters to me because I'm the one who did all the pixel art. But the back sprites were twice as large as the front sprite. Like I would double the sprite in size and then draw over it, uh, on the and like re, like reposition it so that it was facing away from you instead of towards you. Uh, but it was like twice the resolution, and so, uh didn't always take twice as much time but it often took twice as much time uh and uh yeah a lot of time spent on that uh i don't really mm -hmm. think there would have been any way to anticipate that would happen though from you know from the perspective of us when we were working on it before so it was you know it, the game was always just a hobby and so anything that happened in any major decisions that we made to change things were uh because we knew that it would be for the better so i wouldn't call it you know it was might have been unexpected but it wasn't bad it was just how how it worked out right, <laughs> right. i guess we i guess we weren't really expecting the game to take off or well we weren't expecting pokemon go to come out and for all of society to suddenly be like obsessed with pokemon mm. at the same time that we decided to release our fan game that we've been working on for nine years but that happened mm -hmm. so that how did you feel about like the the popularity when it first happened besides like uh, the obvious side effects that it brought yeah, I was not prepared mentally, physically, financially. Well, no, yeah, no, it was um bizarre. Uh, let's see, how how do I describe how popular it got? So summer of 2016, right? Everyone was playing Pokemon Go. Mm -hmm. uh, people were rediscovering their love of Pokemon that hadn't played it forever. Uh, the next Pokemon games, Pokemon Sun and Moon, weren't going to come out until, like, I think November. Uh, and so people wanted to play like the classic Pokemon games, but maybe they didn't have a Game Boy or a uh, 3DS or something like that. And then we have this game that we've been developing at the same time. Like we we scheduled the August 6th release date uh, at like 
I think like middle of spring or maybe like the start, like like May, uh, we decided like, okay, we can we can develop a roadmap and get the game out uh, by this date. Um, so and we didn't know that Pokemon Go was going to come out in July. <laughs> so but we we stuck to it and we released the day the game on the day that we said it was going to, which, by the way, was a whole thing like literally mm -hmm. going up to the week before release i was working on it like as much as a full-time job it was uh you know uh, very stressful but you know fruitful but stressful uh we released the game uh it hit the front page of reddit on the first day <laughs> oh, our wow. site our site went down because of so many people trying to access it uh <laughs> so we had to we had to figure out we had to switch web hosts um and uh constantly you know like 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 literally hundreds of thousands millions millions of downloads millions of people downloaded it uh before we stopped counting <laughs> wow that is insane yeah it was uh inconceivable because i was i was just fresh out of college i had no idea i certainly wasn't making any money off of it i was just like at the center because i was like i was like i'll do all the public relations stuff i'll like run the social media i'll do like the interviews and things like that and i got like a bunch of people be like hey will you do this interview with like with like polygon no, not polygon i wish i could have done a polygon interview but no uh kotaku <laughs> um i think uh not ign uh verge verge did like a video interview with me when they were playing through the game and i was chatting about it uh but eventually i realized it was probably a bad idea to be giving all these interviews and that this was too much attention for me to handle and the discord was blowing up and we didn't have any mods so of course it was a total shit show uh but yeah my my entire life was you know a maelstrom every day from I mean, like, I had a quote-unquote job, but I was mostly just doing uranium stuff. <laughs> uh, but, you know, from the moment I woke up and my phone was blowing up until I went to bed late at night after doing stuff on the game. And it was like that for a month, and then I got the letter, and then it stopped. <laughs> Pretty uh -huh. much. So, Very it was crazy. It yeah, was a lot. Like it. it was a lot to deal with. I, th you know, I mean, like, my, my role at the center of it all uh, was, you know, the kind of thing that most game companies have like a pr person or like a pr team you know for we didn't have that <laughs> we were just like we were just like seven people and really just five people and really just two people and really just me who was in charge of all of it <laughs> uh of, of all the 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 uh the release stuff anyway so yeah it was uh overwhelming i think is the, the best way to describe mm -hmm, it all mm -hmm. sounds like it yeah it sounds honestly like super freaky yeah I mean, it was, you know, it was, I, I, I mean, you know, you, you, you kind of, when you're, when you're in that position, you kind of like the attention, but you also hate it. It was a very, you know, very polarized experience. <laughs> right, right. I get you. I get you. Uh, yeah. In that case, that kind of brings up another question I wanted to ask, actually. Sorry, I hope I'm not cutting you off, but uh, we are very, very close to running out of time. And I want to make sure we get in every, the essential part of the parts of the podcast. Sure thing um one uh, this is I, I gotta be honest you are definitely the most high profile guest i guess i would say like the person who has uh made the biggest thing i suppose not that that not to say that makes you more valuable than a guest or anything like that i honestly just wondered like especially with what you just said like how you eventually stopped taking interviews and stuff why did you choose to come on the podcast i don't know that'd be fun <laughs> I haven't given any interviews in a while, uh, but I I always get questions from people, uh, like in my live streams or, you know, people reaching out on Twitter and stuff like that. And so I figured this would be a good way to 
to address some of those questions. And I also just like to talk about it. It's something that I put a lot of myself into. And, uh, you know, uh, not a lot of people know what it was like being in my position <laughs> throughout the whole thing. Um, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought, I, yeah, I just, I just thought it'd be a good time. All right. Well, I'm happy you thought that, and I, uh, I hope that I hope that it lived up to your expectations. I'm definitely enjoying this greatly. All right. Well, I think uh, we ought to wrap things up here because uh, unfortunately we are running out of time. But um, let me just ask: Do you have any advice for other creators who are listening in today? Right. Uh, well, I've already said don't make a fan game. <laughs> <laughs> uh if you do want to do that uh make it with a friend uh i wouldn't I, I mean i know a lot of friends who do a solo who are solo devs uh and you know i have a lot of respect for that but i wouldn't uranium wouldn't exist if it weren't for jv my co my co-developer uh and uh the two of us are kind of such a great team because we each complement the skills that the other one doesn't have and with our powers combined we are one functional game developer <laughs> uh you know i, I can do graphics art pixel art writing uh you know and the and you know front facing social media type stuff and jv is a wizard at coding uh makes amazing maps uh before we had a composer he handpicked music uh he could basically take any of my ideas for like game mechanics and concepts and turn them into reality so uh you know i know that not everybody can have a jv on their team <laughs> uh but you know if you are making a project you know be willing to learn the skills that it takes to make a game and there are a lot of different skills involved with doing so uh, mm -hmm. and don't be you know, don't be hesitant to wear multiple hats on the flip side please don't be an ideas guy <laughs> we have a we have a thing <laughs> in the fan game community of like the idea guy uh who's like the worst person on any dev team it's somebody who doesn't actually contribute anything meaningful and just is like well how about this idea or how about this idea uh so, you know, I mean, I, I am the idea guy, but I also have <laughs> other things that I do, too. So, um, right, you know, right. also, if you have a game project and you've been kicking it around the idea of it and you, you, you know, you're waiting for the right moment, just start making it like make a map, make one playable area, one playable zone. Uh, and go from there. You know, it, 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 the work, the worst thing that could happen is that you never make your idea or you never finish your idea. But the fact that you've made something and anything uh, means that it's something's in the world that you created that wasn't there before yeah all right good advice and yeah. that applies to everything not just uh fan games like you know yeah. any personal problem. you can always go back and change it if it sucks later on but uh the most important thing is to get something down exactly exactly all right good advice Thanks. well i've had i've had uh uh many years <laughs> <laughs> of thinking about this kind of stuff so right right yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Story Poke. Um, where can uh, where can the people find you now? Where can they find? Uh, actually, here's a question I didn't ask. Where can people find updates on your new game? Uh, yeah, so um, you can find me personally on Twitter at at Oripoke with an underscore. In the so, description. Uh, uh, yes, and also I am on Twitch uh, at Oripoke no underscore. That's my Twitch channel. I stream almost every Sunday doing pixel art. Uh, sometimes I'll stream other days or stream other games, but it's mostly an art-focused channel. So if you want to watch my process and hear me chit-chat about random stuff, uh, you can follow me on there. Uh, that's a, also a good way to get some exclusive Flux content because I'll often mm -hmm. make sprites for that game on stream that I haven't revealed yet. Uh, so fun little way to, to, to stay ahead of the curve. Um, you can follow updates for Flux on the Flux Twitter, which is PKMNFlux. 
uh one word no no underscores or anything like that mm -hmm. um and uh let's see i'm on instagram same as my twitter I'm on deviantart for some reason still i don't know <laughs> maybe not maybe not the best way to reach me you should probably reach me on twitter if anything uh but uh yeah i'm also on discord i have a discord server um yeah, I have uh, fingers in a lot of different pies, So, uh, but you can generally find me on any of those locations and uh, the uh, follow the Flux Twitter for updates on that game. So uh, that I think that about sums up my web presence right now, at least in the in terms of the Pokemon fan game sphere. Oh, and Pokengine. Uh, although I'm not actively developing any new regions on Pokengine right now, that's not to rule out that I might do it in the future. And you could play the two regions that I uh, helped to write and create, uh, which are Barovia and Easter Island on Pokengine.org, mm -hmm. uh, which I super recommend. Although you might have a hard time getting in. It is uh, really obtuse. Honestly, <laughs> trying to access <laughs> the MMO is, uh, is a challenge in itself. But if you could do that and find a way to play, uh, highly recommend it uh because we put a lot of we uh, not just me but the whole team put a lot of stuff into them and uh i think they're very cool and unique so uh check those out too yeah what, and everything might... that uh ori pokes mentioned is all in the description seriously go check them out they are very very cool you need something to whet your appetite and tide you over until the next uh game that i create uh or whatever other thing that i pursue but yeah uh that that i think that about sums sums it up thanks for having me sean yeah thank you so much for coming this was uh incredibly fun love getting to talk to you yeah all right well thank you all for listening in i will see you guys on the next episode which will probably be the second part of the animatic special all right see you guys Hi, everybody Hey, thanks so much for watching the ninth episode of the Create Stuff Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed. This podcast is streamed live at twitch.tv slash Some Link is in the description. Go follow me there so you're there live next time we do it. I usually ask questions to chat. Didn't this time. I already said this in the intro. I don't know why I'm saying it again. If you would like to support the Create Stuff Podcast, I have some very good news for you because you can do that very easily by just liking, commenting, and subscribing. Seriously, that helps me so much. Just a simple comment like, woo, like just W-O-O. -O. Seriously, that does a lot. Like, I would appreciate that a ton. And I will respond to every single comment I get. Uh, promise. On this one, at least. A big thank you to my one Patreon subscriber, Sp Sam Spencer. Appreciate you a ton, Sam. And I also want to thank my Twitch subscribers. Thank you so much to all of my subscribers. Belbasura, j j j jabe It's What's Up MKJ, Flaming Raven 35 Isa Michelle? Michael? I'm not sure. Tonkatsu? Ah, why? And Sam, once again, thank you guys so much. If you saw your name here, or heard your name here, rather. If you heard your name here, but you don't remember subscribing to me yourself, it's probably because you got gifted a sub by my wonderful, uh, by the wonderful Kushiel, who just recently gifted five subs to the channel. Seriously, I appreciate you a ton, Kushiel. And now to shout out three things some of my friends have done that I think is really cool. First one, the song called Soft. It is a song about Tubbo made by uh, Inferno, and it is incredibly good. The link is in the description. I highly recommend it. The second one is the song Why Him by MKJ. Uh, seriously, so, so good. Another Dream SMP song. Seriously, these are awesome. MKJ is an awesome singer. And the third one is the ukulele cover of I Can Do That by Firefly Sav, also known as Savannah, the our trouble voice actor for Le Man Break the Musical. This uh, cover is just so nice and so pretty. Seriously, go check it out. And with that, I really hope you enjoyed. If you want to support the Create Stuff podcast financially, seriously, that helps out a ton. Uh, my Patreon is in the description. You can also subscribe to me on Twitch. Seriously, that money is incredibly helpful. And, uh, of course, I will shout out your name at the end of this, and there are a bunch of more rewards if you decide to donate a higher tier on Patreon, but, uh, completely understand if you can't. Seriously, just a like and a comment helps so much more than I could ever, like, show you.
And yeah, just thank you guys so much for coming. Uh, and I'll see you next time.